You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. We ask our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over and if he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. we got Carly up there in Wisconsin. We've got Jacob the Plumber, who's going to be joining us here shortly. He's been dealing with some <laughs> busted pops the last couple of days, so he's rushing home to jump on with us as well. But how y'all doing tonight, Tim? How you doing, Buff? Doing great, man. Happy to be here. How's it going, Clayton? Doing great, man. Doing great. Carly, how you doing? Doing good. Enjoying the cold weather. <laughs> you really sold that. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've been chilly down here too, but we're supposed to warm up. I think we're actually expecting three more inches of snow tonight. But it's you supposed sure to be about that. <laughs> you sure about that? You never know, Tim. We might end up with with six or eight. Man, it might get out of control down here with this moisture. But nonetheless, uh, I know the chat is absolutely on fire already. Good to see everybody in here. I love uh, I love the different personalities in the chat, to be honest with you. Dennis Shook says, I'm becoming increasingly anxious in anticipation for the game on Saturday. And then immediately after that, Andy A. Pack says, I'm so ready for this team to shock the football world Saturday night. I I'm with Andy, for sure. Yeah. What do we got to lose, right? But I, I can relate to Dennis, too. You know, uh, there's a lot on the line. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, they are, they are so loaded with talent. And I'll tell you this. I exited out of everything, so all the videos I had loaded up for us for this show, gone. Absolutely gone, but we'll get them back in. Ain't no big deal. Oh, no. No, It's cool. It's totally cool. I wanted to show this one for sure, and then as you guys talk, I'll bring the others in. They're pretty relaxed in the Packers locker room. This was Jaden Reed. Listen to what he says right here. Oh, yeah, for sure. So why are you wearing it? Oh, this this junior's helmet, Aaron Jones, son. You know, he brought it in to practice today. I threw it on, you know, got in my stance. Made a few people laugh, so Sir, just trying to bring some good spirits around. A little mojo in that hat? Oh, yeah. I feel good. I haven't lost on the ping pong table with the helmet yet, so. <laughs> got a Let me it. tell you, man, Jaden Reed has no problem with the media. No. He's a natural. That guy's a star. He he is Donald Driver 2.0 when it comes to how he carries himself, man. I mean, he really okay. is. Like, the way everyone loved Driver, there's nothing that Driver could do wrong. He just he, – he always said the right things. He was always upbeat and positive. He was always overachieving. 
Um, that's who I think of when I see Jaden Reed. No doubt. Gotta about keep it. reminding ourselves he's a rookie. That's wild. <laughs> I can't it? believe that guy's a rookie. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. But yeah, we need to get that picture framed right there. Though, look at look how tiny that helmet is. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I I felt like when I first saw it, I'm like, is he just wearing it still because he got it stuck and he can't get it off? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love uh, let's it. See, Jake Shavink says, uh, I, I don't know if you heard it in the first part, too, though. Someone said, did that come with an ice cream cone? I think. Let's see what they say here. Let's play it one more time. Did that come with an ice cream sundae? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come with an ice cream sundae? I love it, man. Mm-hmm. Love this freaking team, dude. They're unbelievable. Let's see. Jake Shavink in the chat said, 2014, R E L A X. 2016, run the table. 2023, house money, baby. I love it. I love it, Jake. That might be a T-shirt, house money. If they beat the Niners, if they somehow, some way, shock the world and beat the Niners, we need to have a PTA T-shirt, house money, and all proceeds will go to Jake Shavink. All right, how about that? There you go. Which, by the way, we tried a couple more designs today in the uh, in the old shop, shot down. So I don't know what we're going to do, Carly. What are we going to do about that? Trial and error. We'll figure it out, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I could write to the. Uh write to the NFL and say, look, we're trying to make smarter fans. You should probably just give us the rights and let us at least do a little bit something <laughs> kind of like it. You think maybe they'd, I don't know, maybe they take pity on us, right? Y'all tired <laughs> of putting up with ignorance and let us sell some merch here. What's wrong? What's going on, right? Exactly. Oh. Hey, we'll just tell them, hey. Just here to tell oh. you, pack is back. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So we'll, uh, We'll mess around with it. I'll see if we can just do the logo because I know people have been hitting me up like crazy about it. And uh, I feel bad because we were like so excited about it. Carly worked her worked her <laughs> fingers to a, to a pulp over there, get, getting some merch put together. Had a, the coolest coffee mug I've ever seen. And uh, it's gone. Gone just overnight, man. That's just that's life, though. I got to I got to hit us with one of these, Carly. We spent all that time working on all that merch and one by one they got taken down. This is this is what we get for that. You ready? Where's it at? Where'd it go? Where did it go? Oh, right. <laughs> we got some stuff moving around in here on the soundboard, but uh, let's see here. Andy Apac says, do you look at it as good or bad being that relaxed? I think it's good. I think it's good. You you know, a young team, there, there's something dangerous about an organization, a team, uh, a boxer, uh, you know, like – I'm going to, I'm going to kind of mix two sports together. Okay. I'm a big fight fan. I love the UFC. I used to love boxing, but it's just become unwatchable in my opinion. Um, but Conor McGregor, when he burst onto the scene, he didn't know how good he was. I mean, you would think he knew if you talked to him, but like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, uh, he just came out and absolutely shocked the world because it's like, Hey, you're not putting limitations on yourself. And I think there's something to be said about that. I think the same thing applied in 2010. And listen, I'm going to be real with you guys. When Savage took that, took that pick six to the house the other night. You know what popped in my mind immediately? Tremont Williams. Oh, yeah. yeah. I immediately went, this feels just like the Falcons game in 2010. Or I guess it was technically 2011 because it was the playoffs of the 2010 season. But, yeah, I was just like, man, that feels so much like that. So, we'll see. We'll see, right? But, yeah, I think think it's a good thing to that relaxed. What do you think, Tim? Would you rather be relaxed or more – you know, focused on the task at hand with this game. I think you hit it right there. Both. You can be focused and relaxed at the same time. You know, it's important to be loose and, uh, you know, nerves and anxiety can, can be a death spike uh, in playoff football, man. You can't start letting your head go to these other places, you know? So 
I, I like that guys are loose. I like that they're having fun at practice. I like that Aaron Jones had his had his kids at practice today. That's great. You know, you can tell that there's work ahead. Um, you know, in all seriousness, they are serious. But hey, man, at the end of the day, you got to have fun. Those that's a young team, man. Got to be relaxed, uh, play loose, but um, play on time and and play focused. You know, I think you can be both of those things. So yeah, I think being relaxed is uh, definitely a good thing going into um especially into a road game like this in the playoffs you know yeah i would agree with that what do you think girl yeah i was gonna say i totally agree Tim. i think we saw what wound too tight looked like with the dallas like it was just they were just jerky there wasn't flow with anything the communication you just saw it and it ended up you know being part of what you know made them lose so yeah i think you could i like i like how you said it you can do both yeah sure. play to win right i think dallas went out playing not to lose and uh, they got boat raced. So uh, we're not going to take that route. Doesn't Absolutely. that sound familiar, though? Because we definitely did for a good part of the season. We knew what that felt like. Yep. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> Doug Pointer in the chat says, I agree with your comparison of Reed and Driver, except I think Reed is an even better talent, man. I It's it's hard to argue with that, Doug. You know, the the difference between the two, obviously, is the the end result, right? The body of work that Donald Driver put together. And uh, that's what's really going to determine how good these players are is their longevity and how serious, they t- how serious they take it and never never get too big for their britches, all those things, the, all the cliches you hear, right? Um, that's what makes the, the great – you know, like Tom Brady. Tom Brady had success early, right? But it was his ability to continue to motivate himself, to find that extra something to lift him up to where, hey, look, no, they're still doubting me. I mean, his teammates talked about him the same way that Rodgers' teammates talked about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, how he would just try to find something. Michael Jordan, same thing. You know, I watched that documentary, The Last Dance. I think it was the night before one of the finals games. He was in a restaurant, and and literally the manager walked over the owner or somebody and said, Mr. Jordan, um, it was great having you. Good luck tomorrow. And they said he turned around and said, that's all I effing needed. Like, he took that as a slight, good luck tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so the great players and you know surprise surprise sometimes they come across like a like pricks right but yep. the great players man they got that edge to them there's no two ways about it i don't think lawrence taylor was a great person when he played you know what i mean <laughs> he was certainly a, certainly one of the greatest defensive players of all time though when it's all said and done if there's anybody in the chat right now maybe you're a younger fan I'm 41. Tim, you're 41, right? Am I thinking right? You're 40, 42. 42. Got a year on you. Got your old man. So old. Carly is 23. I'm 41. And uh, Tim is 42. If anyone <laughs> is a younger a younger fan and you're going, I've, I've heard of Lawrence Taylor. I know he was great, but I've never really thought. Go to YouTube, yep. right? As soon as this show's over and just search Lawrence Taylor highlights. Your jaw will hit the floor. You will not see anybody in today's NFL that you think, that's who he reminds me of. No one. Like Micah Parson winning defensive player of the year is probably the closest we've seen in a while. Still nowhere near. That yep. dude would absolutely wreck a game plan. He forced offenses to change their approach, right? I mean, he he literally ran them out of split back sets. It was just amazing. Um, he was just a amazing, amazing player. And like I said, he had his faults off the field. Obviously his football life was a great episode too. I'm pretty sure it was a football life. I watched, I watched a documentary on it. It was just mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. So uh, let's see here. Okay. That's really weird. So Packers total access just commented in the chat, but I didn't top that in. Uh-oh. 
Oh, that must be me. That must be okay, me. Cool. That's cool. Sorry. That's totally cool. <laughs> I was just like, hold up, have we been hacked? I know <laughs> that was me. What's I coming forgot next? Gonna, <laughs> forgot it's not going to come out as me. <laughs> no, here we go. That's what I was thinking. Uh oh, let's shut this thing down. Let's see here what else we got. Uh, Dead Fish in the chat says, I think Atlanta was the number one seed. Uh, so this game with San Francisco reminds me of that game. That's a good point. Very good point. I can't remember if they were the number one or not. It was definitely the divisional round, though, because the wild card round, if I remember correctly, was the win on the road in Philly. So we went on the road in Philly, then went down to Atlanta and boat raced them. And I'll never forget, I can't remember the exact the exact name he used. Maybe it was Sherman. I'm trying to think it was one of the great Civil War generals for the North. But Wayne Larrabee had the, the, the great radio call. He said, not since so-and-so, General so-and-so, tore through this has not since him in the civil war has this town seen such destruction i was just like oh my god they just went down there and ripped the place apart it was absolutely awesome i was in a business meeting that night i'll never forget i was sitting there on the front row like this paying attention i was going looking at my phone the whole night and going yep <laughs> i missed it live but i remember seeing that pick or that that interception on highlights so many times and when i seen that pick the other night man i was just like god that's what it feels like so We'll see. We'll see what happens. Doug says, I've seen comparisons to Savage's pick six with both Tremont Williams Falcon and George, T George Teague Lions. Yeah, Lions, yeah. Nice. Good stuff, man. Dipping into the vault on these. I love it. Paul Robertson said, did you know Saturday is National Cheese Lovers Day? Talk about destiny. Man, tell me there ain't a God. You know what I mean? He's just lining the stars up. You know what I'm saying? Putting it all together. Jake Shavink says, Taylor is Parsons' explosiveness with max power. That's that's a really, really good description, man. Really good description. And a whole lot that. looser of a NFL rule structure. <laughs> that's that's the other thing, right? A lot of those those plays you see are coming coming back 15 yards or so. <laughs> yeah. An, sure. Another another good video to go watch. They did a show a couple years ago where Belichick helped co-host it. And it was absolutely awesome. It was called the uh, the top 100 of top 100 of all time players, right? And they actually had Lawrence Taylor in the studio with them when they highlighted him. You know, Belichick, for those of you who don't know, he coached Lawrence Taylor. He was Lawrence Taylor's defensive coordinator at the New York Giants, right, before Parcells and him left the Giants. So long story short, he said that he had a meeting and came time for the meeting and Lawrence Taylor wasn't there. Five minutes go by. He's five minutes late, no Lawrence Taylor. About ten minutes later, Lawrence Taylor walks in and sits down in the back kind of goes to sleep or whatever, right? And Belichick said afterwards, I went to Coach Parcells, and I said, hey, hey Coach, I need to talk to you about something. He's like, yeah, what's up? He said, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence, in, in Belichick's voice, you know, uh, Lawrence, he, uh, he he came into the meeting 10 minutes late, and Parcells went, okay? And he went, yeah, so uh, what, what do you uh, what do you want to do about it? And he went, why'd you start the meeting without him? That's what Parcells said to him. <laughs> Why did you start the meeting without him? Like, okay, got my answer. Some people got treated different, man. He was a yeah. superstar. No well, you go him. ahead and go ahead and try and get in Lawrence Taylor's face about being a little late for a meeting. See how that goes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I don't think anyone wanted that assignment. Yeah. Larry in the chat said, Clayton, could you explain run blitz, when to use, and if it would be effective against the San Francisco run and pass? So the way that I understand run blitzing is – you're just kind of getting the jump on your run gap assignment, right? So you're blitzing, you're blitzing running lanes, looking for the run on your way to the quarterback. Now, let me give you an example of what's not a run blitz, a cat blitz, firing a corner and running a fire zone blitz, right? For me, a run blitz is where you're kind of squared up 
majority of the time you're in a zone defense. You're not showing a whole lot of sugar. You're not showing a whole lot of rotation. You're making sure that your gap is still sound, right, against the run, and you're kind of blitzing through that run gap to try to get to the quarterback, if that makes sense. And Jake Shavink's in the chat. Jake, if you understand it differently, I'd love to get your take on it. But, you know, some terms get thrown around really, really loosely when you're talking about football. That's always been my assessment of run blitzing. Now, here's what's really cool. A couple of years ago, actually it's been three years ago now, Carolina had a really good defense. Hard to believe with how sucky they are now, right? But they had a really, really good defense. And um, that defense, one of the things that people point out was how they were running stunts and still stopping the run. And they had geared, they had geared their run defense around stunt blitzing too. Meaning even though you were looked like you were playing somewhat recklessly with doing TT stunts and ET stunts, everyone still had a gap responsibility against the run while running that stunt. And it became more and more popular to the point that I think today that's pretty much what people are doing when they're running stunts. So uh, hopefully that answers your question though, Larry. Um, you know, if you're in a third and 13 situation, you're not worried about the run, right? Your blitz package is going to look a little different than if it's a third and four and you run a run blitz, you're going to make sure those run gaps are still sound, but you're being overly aggressive on your way to the quarterback, but you're looking run first. That makes sense. So that's the way I've always understood it. But yeah, you bet, buddy. Anytime. Um, let's do this. Let's hit a quick video from Packers.com. Anything y'all want to hit before we hit this video? It's about two minutes long. All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. This is from Packers.com. Just a little preview, if you will, man. They've put, been putting some great content out. You can find it on Twitter for free, Packers uh, Twitter account. You can go to their YouTube channel, find it for free. Make sure you give it a like. Uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. Here we go. I always believed and knew that he was going to be a good quarterback. I don't think anyone could have foreseen the type of games that he's been throwing together. Can't say enough positive things about him. As a leader, and then obviously you guys all see how he plays. I think he's just being Jordan Love at this point. Uh, he's just going out there and, and doing exactly what he's capable of doing. Love zips it in there, and it's caught for the touchdown. And the route is on in Dallas. Now Jordan Love and company will face the NFC's top drink scoring defense, led by an alpha in the middle, Fred Warner. The All-Pro led all linebackers and passes defense and interceptions this season. He can seek and destroy quarterbacks or running backs and prefers to hunt and pass. He's the leader of the defense. Um, obviously, he's, he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. So, you know, I think all around they got some pretty good players over there. Um, obviously, going against a, a, a pretty good D-line again. They rush the passer by just trying to get off the ball as fast as possible. They're strong and fast, and they got first-round picks kind of all over the defensive line. So it's another exciting challenge for us. Night game in San Francisco. You know, NFC Championship berth on the line. Like, I think everybody's fired up, ready to go. Yeah, we definitely feel like we've got lightning in a bottle a little bit right now. So um, timing's definitely right. So we kind of asked for it's coming together at the perfect time. And there's some other teams that started really hot and kind of fizzled out towards the season. And for us, it was opposite. I really feel like our team's really starting to take off now. And it's just amazing uh, having that perspective of where we were at halfway through the season, where we at now. And we feel like we can go out there and beat anybody. Woo! Boy, I get you fired up right there. Love it. Absolutely love it. Tim, what stood out to you on that video, man? Anything anything in particular? Anything you get excited about watching that, dude? Um, Jordan Love, 
you, you can see it. It's like we talked about earlier. There's a respect factor there, but no fear whatsoever at all. Um, and he's right. Fred Warner is a is a monster. Um, we've got to account for that, especially especially even when we get, uh, you know, the, the occasional middle field open look, you know, <laughs> got to you got to account for that guy at all times. And uh, pr- we got to protect the football. He's a ball hawk. I mean, you see it right there in the highlight film. Um, and he's just one of many on that defense. But the thing that stood out to me is uh, Jordan has got a very, you know, we always talk about his his uh, lovable personality, no pun intended. Um, but there's that Mamba killer instinct in there. I, I firmly believe that. Um, and we see it the way he plays, too, looking for the dagger on a lot of these throws. You know, he's passing up on the shorter throw and he's he's allowing, you know, our, our deep receivers to work their routes and He's going for the kill shot, man. So uh, I think he's relaxed and calm, but I think he respects this uh, this defense that he's about to face, and uh, I think that's a good thing, especially with a first-year starter. Yeah, and I guarantee you their defense, too. They're going into this game. They're not going in going, ah, oh, we can handle these guys. They're going, bro, watch. This dude can throw off platform. He can throw off yep. platform. He can fade away, all that stuff. One of the things that I think it was Dan Orlovsky that said today, said one of the things that makes him nervous is playing a tough defense like San Francisco is all of this this fancy, you know, footwork and throwing off the back foot and all that. You know, Dallas is one of those teams that you can make them you can you can you can burn them, you can make them pay, right? The 49ers are going to kind of keep everything in front of them while being aggressive with their front four. And I thought he did a good job of explaining that. But I'm just so excited to get another piece of the puzzle put in place, but yep. uh, Carly, you got anything to add to that after that video there? My my like overall just impression of the 49ers, all of it comes from really just starting to pay attention to football in like the latter years of Aaron Rodgers' career. And then just the heartbreak when we met up with him a couple times and it was like there were a downfall. So that is the only real experience of the 49ers that I've ever had. So just hearing the confidence that these guys have, but but also like you guys said, the respect of just how excited they are to go out and, and play is just it's it's I'm liking that it's going to change the feeling for me. Yeah, they're they're bringing a really really awesome energy right now. Uh, G Dog just said, "Did y'all know the pack is back, baby?" Here to tell you, pack is back. <laughs> Might be my favorite new drop. I'm I'm not even kidding, you guys. It's I love it. Drew D says, "I still believe Musgrave is our tight end one." Here we go. Now we're getting into some good conversation. Tight end one. I tell you what, he he put on a show the other night, right? I mean, he, he played minimal snaps, and what did he have? How long was that touchdown? I can't even remember. That thing was like 40 yards. Yeah, 40, 50 50 yards. Definitely, uh, definitely an explosive. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, man, it's he's a he's a stud, man. Um, And we're talking about Jacob, of course, the plumber. Jacob, what are you doing, man? You you still plumber? I'm gonna rename you Luigi, man. I was gonna say, ah, it's a Mario. Um, (laughs) man, it's been a week. You know what's crazy is I just can't reiterate how how happy I've been this last like five days since it happened, and I have no reason to be happy. I've had the worst last four days as a restaurant manager that you could have. Pipes burst. I'm buying like five or six space heaters. I got people calling out. And the whole time, I'm just like Leonardo, just walking through in that Wolf of Wall Street meme. I'm just I'm skipping, dude. I don't give a crap. But on the counterpoint, good Lord, if the Packers had lost, I would have been the most miserable SOB you would have ever wanted to be around this whole week. So... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyways, how how is everybody else? Oh, we're doing good, man. We're just talking tight ends here. Drew D said, I still believe Musgrave is our tight end one. Doug went on to say, I'm starting to think we don't have a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, or a tight end one, or a tight end two. He's saying we just got a whole bunch of dogs, essentially. That's right. Can I can I ask something about that? Yeah, absolutely. Is it is, is it feasible, like even possible, that we could keep it that way? Like oh, that yeah. it could just kind of be our style and the way we yes. play, and that we don't have to worry about it? Because I feel like that is there's there's a huge strength in that when you look around the you look around the league and you see you know QBs constantly trying to force it to just one quarterback because that's you know the number one, and it just seems like it would be best if we could keep it this way. I mean, they're they're playing great. It'll yeah. it'll work until they have to pay one of them because that's the whole dynamic right now. You have a bucket full of players, tight ends, five, six receivers. We're all at the same level right now. I should say we. <laughs> I'm not making that money, but they're all at the same level. You're making good money plumbing, my man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> keep asking me to name our number one receiver or a number one tight end, and I just keep you – know. I'm not going to, so quit asking. Very well said, Coach Saban. Hey, listen, I'll say this. What's awesome about what Jacob just pointed out until we have to pay one, we don't have to pay one for two years. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Like Christian Watson, two more years on his contract after this year. Romeo Dobbs, two more years on his contract after this this year. Dontavian Wicks will have three years on his contract. Jaden Reed will have three years on his contract. Samori Torre, two years. I don't know if he'll make the roster because, man, that that room is getting very, very competitive, right? Elite. The other is uh, – yeah. Malik Heath and Malik. Bo Melton. Now they may be unrestricted free agents. We'd have to look into that a bit. If you guys want to do that in the chat, Jamie, look that up for us. All right, and uh, see if uh, see uh, if uh, Malik Heath and uh, Bo Melton are going to be unrestricted free agents or not. Because there's some some rights that some team you know teams have rights on certain players. I try not to get lost too far into the weeds on that. I would rather go on and spend that time 
looking at the tape and going, his left foot is six inches wider than it was on the previous play. I wonder if they're pulling right here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the stuff that I waste time doing. So. I think you're spot on, though, Clayton. I think, uh, you know, it may be a little early to say, but I think we might have seen the last of uh, Samari Toure. Um, just so man. deep, man. Yeah, it's it, really, that's not a knock on him. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's had his ups and downs, but he's also he's made some plays for us. Um in his time here in green Bay. So uh, I don't know. I think that that room is just so, so talented and, you know, camp uh, next year is going to be fun to watch. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Paul Robertson says our receiver is whatever the defense gives us. Amen. Amen. And, you know, Carly, when you were talking about, can they keep this up? Um, They can, because, you know, the thing about playing offense in football and, and even at the highest level in the NFL no matter what defense a defense picks, a good play call, there's an answer to the equation, right? Like if someone plays a cover three, right, and let's say they play a cover three, what we refer to a, a cover three under or a cover three hard flat, then the soft spot's going to be five to seven yards down the sideline, right? If they play what we call a cover three drop where they're playing kind of curl zones, the flat will always be open. You can throw a trip set out in a cover three uh, zone defense. And you could basically pick a side, work your trips, and you can work a guy open, which uh, Dan Orlovsky did an excellent job on ESPN earlier today. Um, He and Ryan Clark were kind of in tandem breaking down some tape. And they were breaking down that trip set where they hammered, I think they hammered Romeo Dobbs on that dig where he just kind of sat down in the zone. But he was talking about as well how the inside receiver knew the safety was going to be able to clamp down on the dig, so he actually walked him out a little further. And those are the little nuances that Aaron Rodgers kept getting frustrated with the young receivers last year because it's like you've got to know, depending on what the defense does, how you need to manipulate the defense. The problem was Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson had little to no NFL time, right? So it's going to take time to grow. And then when you draft this absolute stud like Jaden Reed, he just gets it, dude. Like he automatically gets it. You throw in Dontavian Wicks and his route running ability, more specifically against zone defense, he manipulates the hell out of zone defense. Romeo Dobbs is the man killer, and everybody else just kind of fits in between. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I like what Paul's saying there. And, and Carly, as long as they stick to the scheme, people don't get too big for their britches. This thing can be sustainable. There's an answer to every defense. If they run a two-man under, right, a two-man under, typically a two-man under, they're cheating underneath and inside. Well, guess what? A little sell route going to be open on a two-man under. you got to read it right. Now, they can make an adjustment, throw a little wrench into that. You can run them out a two-man under. It doesn't matter what the defense calls. If you've got a quarterback who is good enough at the four things we talk about, and notice none of these are throwing power. None of these are arm strength, in my opinion. Arm strength's important. It's not one of the top four most important things to a quarterback. People fall in love with arm strength, and they get in the league, and they couldn't read a newspaper, right? And it doesn't even, and they and they couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a mop. Their their accuracy's so bad. Pre-snap read, post-snap read, <laughs> accuracy, and quick release. Those are the four most important things. Look at Tom Brady. His ability to pre-snap read, ten out of ten. Post-snap read, 10 out of 10. Accuracy, 10 out of 10. Quick release, 10 out of 10. The greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game have those four traits. Joe Montana. Joe Montana didn't have a cannon, but he had accuracy. He had quick release, pre-snap read, post-snap read. And they always bragged on his footwork because the footwork within Bill Walsh's 
original West Coast offense was so important. Bill Walsh would watch Jordan Love in this West Coast offense. He'd look at his feet and he'd probably cut him off the table <laughs> because he's just he's so naturally talented with his arm, man. And it's just it's wild. It is absolutely wild. It took Steve Young a while to kind of get the footwork down in San Francisco, and that's why he sat behind Joe for so long. Or they would have traded Joe a lot, a lot sooner, because Steve Young had a lot more natural talent as far as scrambling ability, stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the West, the origin of the West Coast offense is just phenomenal, though. Um, let's see. Let's kind of dive into what we were going to hit on. Let's go through, do a little bit of housekeeping real quick. Um, Jacob Morley tweeted this out. I thought this was really cool. Um, so. Jacob Morley is really good at finding stats like this. All right, you guys go follow him on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. said, the Packers are the only team in NFL postseason history to post 48-plus points, 400-plus yards, zero turnovers, zero sacks allowed in a single game. They did all this while also being the youngest team in NFL history to win a playoff game, per the Packers' dope sheet. So, once again, another statistic, another thing we can just put over to the side and go, something else this young team has done that no one else in the history of the game has done. It's just phenomenal. You're getting these every single week, every week. So here we go. At NFL Talk Sports um, tweeted out, most playoff wins in history. This is cool. New England Patriots are sitting at 37 playoff wins. The Packers are at 37 playoff wins. The 49ers are at 36 playoff wins. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at 36, and the Cowboys are at 36. So we just passed the Cowboys up in playoff wins, and we got a chance to keep the lead on the 49ers, right, by beating them head-to-head this week and also surpassing the New England Patriots. So if we somehow, some way, beat the San Francisco 49ers Saturday night out there in Santa Clara, then – we are now the all-time leading NFL team franchise with playoff wins. How cool is that? Like that's awesome. just another – I mean, the Packers, if Love continues to play the way he's playing and he truly is a franchise quarterback like I think we're all convinced he is, man, there's going to be so many more of these different scenarios that fall right in place for the Packers. we got a chance to, to really separate ourselves as a franchise. If they can go out and get a Super Bowl in the next three years, I mean – God, that'd be what, for the 14th World Championship? And it's amazing. The haters will go, oh, you can't count those old ones. Okay, I got you. Yeah, you can. Whatever, I can. They're right here. Yeah. Because <laughs> right I'm not a 49ers fan, and I know how to count. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> put that in your pop and smoke it there, Chachi. Got uh, let's go to the injury report real quick. The only thing that changed, A.J. Dillon was limited today. That's a good sign, but he is listed as questionable. Uh, Jair Alexander is questionable again. Okay, um, for this game, which I think he'll probably go. Kingsley and Igbari obviously is out with the knee injury. And then Isaiah McDuffie is questionable. He was limited today as well. On the San Francisco 49ers side, and I'll give you a short version of this in a minute. Cleveland Farrell has already been declared out. He's a defensive end, an edge rusher, if you will. Um, we've got uh, Danny Gray, wide receiver. Um, he is not listed, so I'm assuming that that was, uh, you know, he's good to go. He wasn't listed yesterday either, so he's good to go. And then you got a questionable Dre. Greenlaw linebacker. And I don't even know what Dre is grading out at now, to be honest with you. Let me try to pull it up real quick. I want to see if he is still a decent player as I pop this up real quick. Is he in there? Yeah, so he's a 69.3. So that's their starting wheel backer. So that yeah, is kind so of important. That could be huge if he's yeah. if he's not a go. 
Absolutely. I completely agree. Rob Domofsky tweeted out game statuses for Saturday night at San Francisco. Some people are going, don't you dare show a Rob Domofsky tweet. <laughs> well, here we are. Game statuses for Saturday night at San Francisco. Questionable. Jair Alexander, A.J. Dillon, Isaiah McDuffie, and Daniel Whelan, which he goes on to say Daniel Whelan, the Packers punter, has an illness, but Coach LaFleur said he thinks he will be okay by game time. Sound like old Mr. Whelan might have had a, a, a few too many uh, daddy sodas maybe. I don't know, man. He might have had to, huh? You know can I, mean? I ask? Can I ask a really random question that yeah. probably right. any football fan should know, but I don't? Go ahead. Why couldn't Carlson just punt as well? Like, why is it so important to have two different kickers? When when you think of how important the roster spots are, I just really don't get it. Carly, you are the seven hundred and fifty third thousand fan to say the same thing. But if you ask a punter or a kicker, you know what they say? It's just not possible. It's not. It's it's amazing, and Tim, you had a little bit of a kicking background, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, listen, we as fans, I know I've been guilty of it too, Carly. It's like, come on, man, you can't punt too. Like, what's the big deal here, right? You got the easiest job in the in the in the league as far as you know it not putting stress on your body like the other players. Uh, Pat McAfee's talked about it. He actually was a kicker in college, yep. and when he was drafted, they told him immediately, "Hey, we're drafting you to be a punter," and he's like, "What?" and they converted them right over to punters. So you think he would just kick, right? He would be their kicker too. No. He's like, it's just not possible. I guess all the mechanical stuff that goes into it. It's kind of like – the, and I, I don't know if there's any truth to this, but it's the first thing that popped in my mind. I grew up playing baseball. I played baseball from the age of 5 to 18, right? I can, I can spray hit a baseball all over the diamond. And even to this day, you can get me – probably I probably couldn't hit over 85 now, but anything 85 or under – I could spray hit it, left field, left center, center, uh, right center, right field, right field, right center, center, just spray hit all day long. You put me on a golf course with a driver in my hand, oh, my God. It's just – it's a totally different animal. And I'm sure yeah. it's got everything to do with mechanics, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I, that's why you'll see more, more realistically you'll see on occasion is a, a punter that can handle kickoff duties sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, McAfee is a great example. Um, he did that for a while in Indy. Uh, a couple epic onside kicks, that that kind of thing. Um, you'll see that on occasion, but to see a punter place kick and kick field goals is pretty rare. And they are there; they really are two different skill sets. Honestly, um, you know what's made me question something this year is uh, I agree with all that a hundred percent. But why am I watching Anders Carlson not be able to kick it out of the back of the end zone? It seems like less than half the time. Have you well, guys noticed that? Tim? Well. Well, go ahead, well, Tim. Since you brought it up while well, we're on the subject, this is good timing right here. I, I personally believe it's by design because the Green Bay Packers are ninth, ninth in the NFL in opponent average starting field position. Bingo. So it must be working. And I think the logic is kick it high, kick it in play, longer, let our guys get down. If he's not. If that if that returner is not smart enough to use the new stupid, I can call a fair catch on a kickoff and get a touchback, then we're going to take our chances. And we have seen it. We've seen drive start at the 15 in the 20 yard line over and over and over, over and over again. So I I, trust me, Jacob, I was with you too. I was like, dude, this guy's not kicking the ball out of the end zone. I thought that's why we brought him here. I could watch Mason Crosby drop balls at the five yard line all day long. What are we doing? And then I really started to look at this and it's like, Versace and these boys, they're, they're playing a numbers game, man. And it's working. It really is. Yep. 
it's definitely by design. You're trying to bait them to bring it out. Now, Keyshawn Nixon wishes someone would try to bait him. Right. They, they know Key, and they're like, put that thing through the uprights if you can. Don't give him a shot. Yeah, and he's quietly had a great year despite that returning. You know, a lot of people were shocked that he was, you know, selected to the Pro Bowl as a return guy um, by his peers in the league. The players voted voted for him uh, to join the Pro Bowl ranks, whatever whatever the Pro Bowl means. He gets to go play dodgeball or whatever the hell they do now. But, um, you know, he's really quietly without, without the big, ginormous, you know, explosive touchdown returns that we've seen in the past. He's broken off, you know, those those 15 and 20 yard returns. Those are huge when you when you when you add them up in the, the field position game. So, uh, yeah, I don't see anybody kicking to Keyshawn Nixon on purpose anytime soon. Really don't. Yeah, it's a great question, though, Jacob. It is. Yeah, but, absolutely. And here's the thing. If if our kick return team was struggling really bad, you know, then I guarantee you he would start kicking them through the end zone. You know what I mean? Because, OK, we'd rather you take it at 25 than get it at the 27 to get it at the 32. That invisible yardage is what Coach Mike, I mean, he preached that to yep. no end. Him being a, an ex-quality control coach and all that stuff, he was real big on those invis- invisible yards. And what we're talking about there is yardage that won't show up in the box score right on the return yards. And uh, same thing with uh, with special teams to a certain extent, you know what I mean, with punts and everything. You you pick up that invisible yards, you, you, know, you do that three or four times, and you've pretty much went the length of the field if you know how to play your cards right, so. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot more that goes into special teams than I'll ever, ever even think about knowing, to be honest with you. But that is one thing. Highlight United Bates' uh, recent comment. Yeah, let's do it. Nixon took more attempts than anyone also. He didn't let the rule change persuade him. I think that's pretty cool because a lot of those guys, I don't know what the mentality is. You have to be an absolute freak of nature to have 11 dudes barreling at you straight on. And even though you got, you know, 10 other ones going against them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, that's a. He made a comment a, during uh, camp when they we were talking about this. He was like, yeah, he "I'm not fair catching, you know, expletive deleted." We'll he did. Use I'm not, a little yeah, bit of colorful he, language. He but, say he's like, he was like, "Fair catch? What's that?" Yeah, yeah. like, what's that? I'm and not then we actually had Basaccia talking to him about, "Hey, Keyshawn, can you do us a favor? And when it's you know nine yards deep in the end zone, don't bring it out." <laughs> <laughs> he was still ready to return those, you know. Yeah, and I love too. Now what he's done in response is they won't let me bring it out. He he, as soon as they make contact, if he knows it's he's not going to return it, he literally walks. He he does that speed walk towards the nearest gunner and just talks crap to him. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I love it. Man. I love it. I was gonna say that is like his mentality. I mean, if if, if I'm not mistaken, he is the cousin of Snoop, right? Nephew. Oh, yeah, yeah, nephew. Yeah. Snoop's nephew. Yeah. yeah, all those all those those songs when he said nephew in the songs, he was talking about Key, evidently. Yeah. Key might not have been born at the time, but he was no. talking about Key. You know what I mean? So, so I'm Long, sure. Long Beach is finest right there for sure. Yeah, hey, here's a good one while we're on the special team subject, dead fish. Why do we need a center and a long snapper? That's the same logic, right? Yeah, same answer. It's a boring There's a, answer. a big difference between a shotgun snap to a quarterback and a, a snap to a holder. Or yeah, to and a, a center. A center obviously is focused on the the snap under center, right? Get you you got to perfect that. And think about it this way too: when they're you're limited on practice time, obviously that's you know some of the CBA changes and stuff. While that center's working with the first team offense, that long snapper's getting all his work in right on a separate yep. field. So it's hey, look, everybody's getting their working at the same time. What's crazy that people don't understand about the long snapper and stuff on the field goals. 
Tim, you correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got it down to a science to where, like, uh, I'm going to say more than 90% of the time, when they catch the ball, yep. it's snapped, they know exactly where the laces are going to be. Yep. Like, they've got it perfected that much. That's just wild. To and me. you've got different holders that, you know, you'll see the handout, and some, some holders want it lower, <laughs> want more of a, you know, direct, you know, flat trajectory. Some guys like it up a little. Yeah. The key is, can you get it there? And yeah, do I have to spin it when I'm setting it, or is it is it right where I need it? Because every microsecond counts in timing. Because you know those three are really the the key. Everyone puts everything on Anders Carlson, and it's a that's a three man job there. The the snap to the hold to the kick, and they all got to work in unison. So yeah, uh, you hit it on the head, Clayton. I think that's the main thing, right? Is that you just don't have enough time at practice to run through protections and snaps with your center and then have him worrying about snapping to a punter or to a, a you know, a holder. I actually made varsity my sophomore year in high school. Cause I could <laughs> only long snap and that's not a joke. I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. And uh, it was the same thing that Tim talked about. So nobody could line up over the top of me and I couldn't bring the ball up. I had to literally just release and you, I would place my hand over the top of the ball and I would grab the other end of the bottom half. Like I was throwing a football. And I was really good at chucking that thing, man. And it was, it was way different than any. I, I don't. I would never snap the ball in any way like that ever again. Like I love that accent you broke out, man. Well, my sophomore year in high school, I varsity, bro. <laughs> Still got my jacket. I actually, I actually read an article talking about how if you want to make the NFL, then being really good long snapper is like the best way to do it without like all the work, you know, with your body and having to have all these great plays, like you get really good at that. And that is like the ticket. And I still yep. think about this too. Like when there's a, when there's a game winning kick on the line, we've had a couple of them this year to give us the lead. I, I, I remember sitting in this chair at my, at my desk, watching it going, how does that long snapper keep his composure? Same yeah. thing with the kicker. Like yep. I, I'm over here, you know, a nervous wreck going, there ain't no way I could do that. People are wired different, man. Just yep. completely wide. It's so up. hard to find, you know, a unit like that that is really good together. And that's why when you do, you'll see teams like to Carly's point, they're not changing their long snapper for nobody. Like you, you have earned that job because you have the chemistry with the kicker and the holder. You know, you can literally make a career out of it. It's true. Speaking of chemistry, AFAM and Paul Robertson got a chemistry here in the chat. AFAM <laughs> says Paul yells out yabba dabba do when he gets into his vehicle. And uh, Paul Robertson re responded. I've been watching. No, it goes way back. He said, "A fam, eyeing up cheese wheel hubcaps for his Chevy Volt." (laughs) (laughs) I love it, dude. Oh man, absolutely love it, man. They always keep it going. Yeah, go. (laughs) I was like, hold on. Who do you think you are? I am. I was trying to understand Robert's question here. He said, uh, Robert Johnson said, if they blitz a lot, do we do we not get zero cover? Talking about cover zero, I'm assuming. Um, there's different types of blitzes. You know, you can go with a cover three blitz. You can go with a cover two blitz. You can go with a cover one blitz. Um, you know, blitz typically is just you're bringing, in my opinion, more than four people. Some people say it's got to be more than five. I consider it a blitz when you're bringing more than five if they're not kind of designate over an, an offensive lineman and they're trying to manipulate the defense a bit. But a lot of people would disagree with me on that. But, yeah, no, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily go zero. Zero blitz just simply means there's no one deep. And typically a zero blitz is your man across the board. Everyone's in man coverage. Everyone else is blitzing. So you have no safety help over the top, if that makes sense, Robert. So uh, 
Let's do this. Let's dive into the the injuries for the San Francisco 49ers. I want to get into the PFF stuff. We're running out of time here. We've been talking. To, it's been a good conversation. Good questions for sure. Um, Nick Wagoner, I think is how you say it. He covers the Niners. He said the Niners injury report for Saturday against Green Bay out. Cleveland Farrell questionable. Dre Greenlaw the Achilles tendonitis. So there we got the details on that. Everyone else is good to go. So if Dre can't go, I think he'll go. I think you're probably going to shoot that thing up and send him out there would be my guess. Um, because that would be huge for them not to have their starting wheel backer, especially since the Packers are running the ball so well here lately. Now, when we go to the PFF summary to kind of dive into it here a bit, the Packers are now overall ranked power ranking, according to PFF, eighth in the league. San Francisco is second, only behind the Baltimore Ravens. Defensively, according to PFF, their defense is 15th in the league. San Francisco's is third. Power ranking on offense, Green Bay is now officially a top five offense, according to PFF, ranking fourth. San Francisco is first. SOS play, strength of schedule play. We played the 19th hardest schedule. 49ers have played the 24th hardest. Something to keep in mind. You know, we were talking about some of the opponents they beat and some of the opponents that beat them, right? Um, Not near as bad as the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys, I think I only found three quality opponents that they beat this year. I've got the 49ers schedule there on the right side of the screen. Let's walk through it real quick and see if we agree with this. I'm going to say who I think is a quality opponent, and you guys tell me if you disagree as we go, okay? So starting in week one, they beat the Steelers, right? Um, The Steelers are in the playoffs. I think that's a quality win, right? So that's one. The L.A. Rams are a playoff team. That's two. The Giants, no. The Cardinals, no. The Cowboys, that's three. The Browns, that's four. Uh, the Vikings, no. Bengals, no. Jacksonville, no. Tampa, that's a playoff team. Let's count it. That's five. Seattle, um, I'm going to say no. They missed the playoffs, right? The Eagles, six. Seattle again, no. Uh, Arizona, no. Baltimore, heck yes. That's seven. Washington, no. L.A. Rams, uh, they lost to the Rams, but again, they didn't even play their starters there, so it's kind of hard to even chalk that one up. So I would say seven quality opponents out of 17 games. Um, obviously that's four more than I had listed for the Cowboys. So uh, just kind of shows you they're a little bit battle-tested. Now, when you go to the quarterback comparison matchup, right, Brock Purdy grading out 88.4, and Jordan Love is grading out 85.4. I love it, man. I can't help but grin when I see that grade. It's just absolutely awesome. So these are two of the best quarterbacks in the league right here going head-to-head. I know people have been trying to slander Purdy a little bit, and we had a little bit of a conversation the other night in our chat and on Twitter and, you know, people were just kind of asking questions, not that we were disagreeing or anything, but they were just kind of asking questions. Like, I know Brock Purdy's had a good year, but what's how does he rank, you know, of lately? And, you know, against pressure specifically, passer rate when pressure and everything, he was still number one in the league in the second half of the uh, second half of the season. So the dude is lights out. He plays with anticipation. The big thing he does well is he throws guys open. He, he has an inept ability to – to know where the receiver is going to be and not hesitate and not, not be, you know, fearful and okay, I'm going to try to throw to a spot rather than, you know, okay, he's not, you know, I'm only going to throw to him if he's open. He trusts the system. And I think that's why Shanahan likes him so much. He trusts the system. He's got good accuracy. He understands the system and he's got that mobility where he can create a, a, sec, a secondary, uh, you know, window of a, of a play, even when it breaks down. So, I was just going to say that Clayton, just de- de- deceivingly, uh, you know, mobile. You don't think mobile quarterback when you think Brock Purdy. If anything, you might lean more towards pocket passer. Right. But but when you watch him play, he'll take off on you. 
Oh, and yeah. he'll get those chunk plays uh, without hesitation. So we have to account for that. And first and foremost, he's looking to still throw the ball down the field, just create more time. Jacob, what were you going to say? Um, just uh, Chris just joined uh, the Packernet. Uh, oh, so that's awesome. But in addition nice. to that, which is still great by itself, I remember listening to a podcast of Ryan's in the last few days here, and the the you know the absolute all knowing, all seeing guy Colin Cowherd at the oh. beginning of the year. He he released, and it was just like a thirty second quote. But he, as he was crapping all over Jordan Love in the same. 30 second clip he said Jordan Love isn't even one of the top 30 quarterbacks in the league he's up there with the ranks of Brock Purdy with Baker Mayfield he's not even one of the top and look where what a good impression three quarterbacks right now yeah that's pretty spot on <laughs> I, I, it's not that I it's just such a d-bag like if you're gonna just be such a, a, a switcher like if you're just gonna not even if you're gonna spend six months of the year saying one thing about a quarterback and how it's a disgrace and this, and then the next six months of the year, completely backtracking for what, what am, what am I listening to you for? Well, why does anybody give you money? I mean, that's it, why I always say the same thing when it comes to Kyle and Cowturd. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell you, right, let me tell you <laughs> we don't care. It's true. I got some advice for y'all. Take two weeks off, then quit. There it is. There it is. How Take two, two weeks off and change your opinion again. <laughs> All right, the green line. Let's go to the green line. Chris, thank you for joining the PTA Posse, buddy. We'll make sure we get you on the wheel Saturday night to win the autographed Romeo Dobbs rookie card. Someone just heard that and said, wait, what? What is that? If you join the PTA Posse, just go to our homepage on YouTube, click join. You can join the group. And uh, we basically put all of our YouTube members uh, into uh, contests pretty much on a weekly basis, at least on a monthly basis. And we give away autographed memorabilia. We just gave away an autographed David Bakhtiari jersey that's in the mail. We gave away uh, an autographed James Lofton card. And now we're giving away an autographed Romeo Dobbs card. So make sure that you're a YouTube member by midnight tomorrow night, and that will enter you into that contest. Now, when we come to the green line here, the point spread is now at nine and a half. So the Packers are nine and a half point underdogs. When it comes to that spread, 61% of the cash is on Green Bay. 56% of the tickets is on Green Bay. So the public's on Green Bay plus nine and a half. Money line, the odds there is minus 449 if you take the Niners just to win outright, right? With the money line, I'm going to say it again, the money line, 82% of the cash is on Green Bay. So people are saying, give me that plus 347, big dog. Now they might be putting two bucks on it, but – all that money goes a long way, right? 82% of the cash is on Green Bay. Now, 62% of the tickets are on San Francisco, though. The over-under set at 50 and a half right now, and it looks like everyone is on the over. 83% of the cash is on the over. 75% of the tickets are on the over as it sits at this point right now. It'd be a good time to say thank you to BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them jumping on board. If you want to support us and do it in a way that costs $0, just click on the link in the description of this video here on YouTube. That will send you directly to BetUS, and by using that link, it lets them know that we sent you to them, and you can register for free. That's right, for free, and that will also put us in better standing with BetUS. Like I said, it will just show them that, hey, someone actually listens to these knuckleheads when they do a show. Um, again, that's BetUS, America's favorite sports book, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live, celebrating their 30th year in business. So nine and a half points spread. The money's kind of 
a little bit all over the place as far as, you know, the money line itself, but everybody's feeling good about Green Bay plus nine and a half. I know I am. I don't, I don't see a scenario where Green Bay gets blown out. I think it's going to be a tough way, a tough game to win. Now they're calling for, I think, a 70% chance of rain showers that evening. Uh, the temperature is going to be decent. Obviously, I think, uh, I think I actually had it on the ticker there earlier. Um, it's probably on the preview as well when I hit on that earlier. Let's see here. Yeah. So, yeah, right around 61 degrees and light rain is what they're calling for. So, uh, going to be interesting, man. I'll tell you, it sounds stupid. It sounds silly. But every time we have weather involved in a game, I immediately think Jordan Love's hands are bigger than both Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers'. He can control the football, right? That's a good thing. I don't know about Brock Purdy. You know, I didn't even think about that. I wonder where his hand size measured out. Um, I'll check that out real quick and see if we can find that because that might play a role in his uh, – I don't know if he's played any bad weather games yet. I don't remember seeing any anyway. But uh, that's how the green line shakes out. Now, when we go to 12 personnel – Let's talk about the PFF matchups here. Let's start up. We're on offense, right? First of all, Aaron Jones is now up to 81.4. 81.4. His season is completely rebounded. He's now the 10th highest graded running back in the league. Awesome for showtime. Absolutely love it. Jordan Love is 85.4. He's the 11th highest graded quarterback in the league right now. Okay. Now, when we go to the offensive line matchup, this is where it gets tough. They obviously run a 4-3 defense as their base. Okay. We got Rashid Walker at left tackle, 66.1. Elton Jenkins, 65.2. Josh Myers, 55.1. John Runyon, 55.5. And Zach Com, 79.6. When you go over to their defensive line, you got Chase Young. You know, they made that midseason uh, uh, trade there. They gave up a third round pick to get an absolute stud. He's rating out 74.4. He'll most likely be lining up over Rashid Walker. You've got Hargrave in the middle, 73.9. You've got, uh, he'll most likely, be seeing some time over Elton Jenkins a bit. Uh, Armstead, Eric Armstead, 81.9. Going to give Josh Myers and John Runyon fits. You just got to be prepared for it. Uh, Joey Bosa, I'm sorry, Nick Bosa, the second highest graded edge defender in the entire National Football League at 92.7 over Zach Tom. So, again, though, these grades include run blocking and pass blocking. We know the Packers' strength is pass blocking. Everybody was predicting last week we were going to give up a ton of sacks and they were going to pressure the heck out of Jordan Love. You've seen how well they held up, and kudos to Matt LaFleur for putting a hell of a game plan together too, keeping the heat off of Jordan Love there. So when you talk about their front pass rush, those front four against our front five, uh, what sticks out to you? We'll start with you, Carly. What sticks out to you right here as far as our offensive line against their defensive line? This defense has got playmakers all over the place. Um. I am icing a cake for my son's birthday tomorrow, so I was listening, but I'm not looking, so I'm going to pass. There you go. Jacob, you're on the clock. Let's hear it, big dog. Well, I mean, as much as I want to stay positive, if you look at this defense on paper, and again, that's the 49ers defense, it is, it's hard to it's hard to feel comfortable. I mean, other than two spots there, I'm sorry, three spots there in the top 32 of each position, which, you know, um, it's definitely not a paper tiger like maybe Dallas and clearly Dallas was. Um, that being said, I mean, any given Sunday, we were going to need another absolute freak performance from our offensive line. I think that maybe probably, I mean, I'm not worried about our wide receivers. I'm not worried about my tight ends. I'm not worried about the, the, the running backs. I'm most worried even before my defense. I'm more worried about the offensive line. So that's my number one gap that we need to plug. That's the big hole I need to fill. Um, in addition to that, on the other side of the ball, we can get into that later. But right now, looking at this offensive line, 12 personnel, we need those guys to show up. 
and really take control because that that right there, I'd like to add up like every single rank that they have on that defense, and I, I'd have to argue that's probably statistically the best PFF graded, just in certain points where it could just kill us. I think it 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 right on that front four, it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, definitely. And when you look at the tight ends, Luke Musgrave, everybody was having that conversation earlier. You guys know I'm big on Tucker Craft too. Luke Musgrave is now grading out 66.9. He's the 23rd best tight end, according to PFF. Tucker Craft, 62.0. He's the 33rd. So you've got two starting quality tight ends, and Musgrave kind of starting to pull away a little bit now that he's gotten healthy. So that's kind of exciting there. Now, when you look at their linebacker position, Dre Greenlaw, we know he's questionable for the game, 69.3 playing Will Backer. That simply means weak backer. He's going to be opposite the strong side of the formation, which is the tight end side. Mike Linebacker, Fred Warner the best linebacker, inside linebacker in the entire National Football League, uh, 90.1. He's grading out as the, the top-graded linebacker. Like you said, Oren Burke, 71.3. He would be the Sam, okay? So they kind of you you know match up against the tight ends, if you will, especially when you come out in this 12-personnel base when they're in their 43. So um, let's take it a step further, and we'll go to and, and we see Ron's chat. I, think, I appreciate you, Ron, and I appreciate you, Andy, for the hand size, we're going to end the show on that because I think it is important to bring that up for sure. Tim, anything you want to add there to the front five, including the tight ends plus their linebackers? Um, yeah, I mean, I think just going back to our O line real quick, um, I'm with Jacob. You know, obviously that's a concern. Um, I will say this, and it might be unpopular, but Josh Myers and uh, JRJ, man, they're they're playing their best ball. They they've hit their stride. They've the last three four games they've been playing their best football. So. Um, hopefully we get another great performance out of them too. But realistically, other than, you know, Zach Tom against Nick Bosa, I'm really looking forward to seeing Rasheed Walker and Chase Young. I feel like that matchup wise right there, we're going to see a battle on that left side um, of epic proportions. I think it'll be real interesting, but uh, you know, and going to the linebackers. Yeah. What can you say about Fred Warner that we haven't already said? And, you know, Greenlaw is a monster too. And then, you know, of course, Burks. former Packer, oh. former Former Packer Oren Burks, who uh, you know decided to start playing football the minute he landed in San Francisco. Apparently, um, you know he's a threat over there too. I mean, really, the only—it's not even a hole, but I mean, if you're just looking, you know, objectively at these these grades, I mean, I guess their their strong safety might be a quote unquote weakness, but I don't know. I mean, he's grading at nearly 65. So, um, yeah, we've got to be on our p's and q's against this defense. Um, Jacob's right. I mean, you look at this on paper, and it's it's concerning, um, but it makes me feel good because the game's not played there. And, uh, right. you know, we can get it done any given Saturday night mm. in California. Look at that improvisation. He said, can, can, can. Saturday night, baby. Let's go yeah. to 11 personnel. Let's insert Jaden Reed. We'll talk about all the receivers, too. Romeo Dobbs is now a 72.6, 30th, 43rd, 31st. You hear that? 43rd best 40. receiver. Right. In the league, you guys know I believe he's a, a, a just one of the top five number two receivers in the league. Jaden Reed's grading out as a 36th best receiver at 74.4. Dontavian Wicks, we said it like four weeks ago. I think he's going to be the true number one receiver with enough time. Uh, 22nd in the league now to 79.1. He, uh, if he, I'm telling you, man, he's flirting with 80 PFF grade his rookie freaking year. Oh, my gosh, man. I'm so excited about him. Now, let's talk about the cornerback matchups. Let's assume they would line up this way. We know they're not going to. As much F motion as we use, as much Z motion as we use, um, you know, us starting off in dubs and going to bunch, starting off in bunch, going to dubs, there's going to be a lot of movement. Let's assume they line up this way, though, okay? 
You've got Charvarius Ward, their best corner, on Dontavian Wicks. Charvarius Ward is an 82.6. Wicks is a 79.1. Uh, 79.1. He's got the slot edge there, right? In the slot, Jaden Reed, 74.4 over Lenore, who's a 72.5. One of the things that Greg Cosell talked about earlier today, they may look to pick on Lenore. Lenore has struggled a little bit here of lately. In those last two games of the season, he said that he really struggled covering a slot. Now, the other thing we pointed out, Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks, way better against zone coverage than man. Dobbs is way better against man coverage than zone. So they play a lot of zone defense. I'm telling you right now, my pick to click in this game is going to be Jaden Reed out of the slot. That's just me personally. Could be Wicks too, but Jaden Reed on the Lenore, I like that matchup. Romeo Dobbs on Thomas. Thomas is a 71.5. Dobbs is a 72.6. So two of our three wide receivers in our 11 personnel, which is three wide receiver set, one running back, one tight end, we have the advantage over their corners. Let's go to the safety position. You've got Gibson Sr., 73.6. He's the 18th highest graded safety in the league. You've got Ryan on the other side, 64.6. He's not really ranking out right now. Not sure what that's about. Maybe he's not their starting safety and he's just now getting time. I'm not sure. But when you look at the wide receivers matching up against the DBs, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing here, guys. If if they can hold up at that front four and we can hit those second and third windows in the passing game and establish the run, because like we pointed out, their weakness on defense is defending zone run. We like to run a lot of zone run. We are really good at split flow and zone run. So that's kind of where it sits. If I had to pick, you guys know last week I said um, Romeo Dobbs, right? That would be my pick. I think he, he, the matchup really suits him. This week – it would be Jaden Reed and Aaron Jones are the two guys I think. If anyone's going to somehow, some way, crack the code of this 49ers defense that is so good, it's going to be those two guys in tandem, Aaron Jones working zone run scheme and Jaden Reed against zone coverage. Now, doesn't mean they're not going to play man. We've talked about it. They play a healthy amount of man too, but they play majority zone. So let's go around the horn here real quick. We're at an hour and two minutes. Carly, anything you've got to say, you just chime in, but I don't want to put you on the spot. I know you're busy. Okay? <laughs> no, no worries. I'm just, I'm really excited to see Reed some more and to see, to go back to this game where there's going to be a lot of zone and see those receivers that really thrive against it. I really like seeing them play and I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be great to see them kind of, especially in just a high playoff game like this, like the tensions are going to be high. All the pressure in the world. You see the locker room. He's running around with Aaron Jones's son's helmet on. Jaden Reed. You know, it's just I, I don't know. I, I like the way we I like the way we're sitting right now. Tim, what do you think, buddy? Uh, I'm with you, Clayton. Um, heavy dose of Mr. Jones in this one. Uh, I I think that's going to be the key. You're right. Um, we have to stress that and, and get the run game going and uh, utilize our other weapons for sure. I mean, we're gonna have to run the ball and throw the ball. I mean, there's you can't be one sided. Uh, if we get in a position where we're just throwing. Uh, we're playing right into their hands. So we've got to have an effective run game. And uh, I believe uh, Jones is going to bring it again. I mean, the offense is is running, you know, basically through him. We are feeding off of him. Um, we've heard – we talk about Jaden Reed. We've, we've heard clips of him on the sideline talking about wanting to play for, for Aaron Jones and feeling terrible when he misses a blocking assignment and those kind of things, man. I mean, this young squad is fired up. Nobody's playing for themselves. They're playing for each other. Um, and complimentary football is what got us here. Um, I really do. I think we got to get Jonesy going for sure. Definitely. Lisa with the super chat says, bang, bang, Niner gang. I like it. Don't sleep on Lenore. Armstead, Armstead is back, and the run defense is back. 
it's going to be a good game. I like it. I like it, Lisa. The, you uh, Thank you for the super chat, first of all. And anyone who's respectful is welcome in this chat. We love to have other fans in here and kind of give their take. I like your approach there, though. You seem confident, but you think it's going to be a good game. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blowout, and I wouldn't be a be surprised. I wouldn't be a surprised if it's a blowout either way after the Dallas game. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes right down to the wire, man. I, I just we are all sitting there with our hands in the air, going, "I don't know what to expect in this game." I and feel like the line is pretty right? accurate, right, Clayton? What's I mean, this could, I feel like the line's pretty accurate. Oh, I mean, yeah. this could be a yeah. like a ten point type of game either mm-hmm. way. I agree, man. And uh, like I said, we. Some people may be looking up at that plus nine and a half and in the third quarter and going, heck yeah, man, I ain't worried about nothing. But (laughs) it's nice to have that nine and a half in your pocket in case things go awry for sure. But again, Lisa, thank you so much for the super chat and uh, and welcome to the chat. We appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Um, Jacob, what do you got, buddy? Anything you want to add to these wide receivers versus the DB? I mean, honestly, just to summarize a little bit more, we can take that off the screen if you want for now. Um, I'm just, I'm excited the fact that People are worried about going into San Fran. You guys have no idea how many Packer loyals we got over around that part. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at a 30% Packer stadium over there in this quote-unquote home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, I mean, I, people looked. Who was it uh, over here? Marjoram Cron. She says everybody kind of made their picks. I don't want to go through it. Yeah, Clayton Reed, Tim Musgrave. Clayton, it sounds like you're saying Aaron Jones. I think it could be – we're sleeping on Christian Watson, yo. We're sitting here. We haven't even mentioned Christian Watson in that in that lineup right there. I mean, that that's crazy. On every given play, I think that we're definitely going to need to utilize twelve personnel. We're going to need to chip block. We need to sift blocks on to utilize uh, to to try to freeze that Bosa slash Chase Young combo. They got an edge, and um, I, I think if we do that, I really do. I'm I'm, I'm weirdly confident. Like I said again, man, it, it's just, it's an odd feeling to have. You call it. You know, Clayton's phrase, playing with house's money. I just think it's guys coming on. And and Tim, that might be one of the most under, maybe one of the most low-key things that are happening right now that could take this team to that next level is that freaking for once in their life, Josh Myers and lately John Runyon Jr. are actually playing decent ball. If those yeah. guys pull their heads out of their butts again and they keep playing a good game and we get another performance from our left guard, I mean, dude, we, we could be on a run, that, and, and these guys, again, they're so naive. They're so young. They're so happy. We need a certain amount of guys, those call them Campbell, Jones, Kenny Clark, Preston. We need those guys to actually, you know, keep it under control. But we need the young guys. Just go out there, have fun, dude. Be crazy. Go out there and just let loose. Like Carly said, I believe, in the earlier episode, be loose. Be loose and be tight at the same time. Be a half-and-half half kind of situation. You see Jaden Reed having fun playing with Aaron Jones's kid and all that kind of stuff. This is the exact kind of – we want to pretend like it's – I shouldn't say pretend. We want to act like we've been there before, but we haven't. So yeah. we don't know how to act. Have those guys go out there and be fun, dude. <laughs> Enjoy it. Anyways, yeah, Lisa, thanks for giving us $10 of your money. Yeah, it's awesome. Lisa, the Super great. Chat says, Dallas is trash, especially against both of our Shanahan offenses. My best friend is from Green yeah, Bay. Good a lot stuff. Of connection there. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for the Super Chat, Lisa. We appreciate you. Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry, buddy. No, I was going to say, I think the thing with, you know, bringing up Christian Watson, I mean, we saw what Scoot did against Dallas, and uh, he very quietly, um, you know, affected that game. I mean, we had him, they were bracketing him. We had, there were times there were three defenders. I mean, you're talking both safeties following him, you know, with a corner. Yep. Uh, you know, massively concerned with him down the field because he can take the top off a of defense, right? Well, I fully anticipate 
San Francisco being prepared for that task. And to me, I think this is the game where you get Scoot on those slants and those crossers and you get him that ball in space, maybe five, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and just let him get the, the yards after the catch. And maybe we get his wheels going and get him moving because clearly the ball in the passing game is going to have to come out quick. We have to have that sense of urgency against this uh, San Francisco front. And I think, uh, you know, guys like Reed and, and Watson are, are your go-tos in that scenario. Yeah, and if we were to go around the horn, and Carly, we could start with you if you want. Let's let's get a pick to click, okay? Like who's who's the player we think? Okay, I think that's going to be the person that if he has a big game, we we won the game. Mine, like I said, I mentioned Aaron Jones. I mentioned Jaden Reed. I personally think Jaden Reed, and we can we can pick the same guy. That's totally cool. I don't want it to turn into that, but we'll go around the horn. Um, I think Jaden Reed. The reason I'm hesitant on Christian Watson, <coughs> excuse me, I get choked up when I talk about. It. Um, Man coverage last year, right? Christian Watson burnt Dallas up. You've seen they were bracketing him a little bit. They had three guys on him at one point, which opened up that that cell route from Rome's on the on the corner slash out. Um, you know, I think that with the 49ers being majority zone defense, I don't think that's Christian's game. I think it's going to be more Jaden Reed. So I'm going to pick Jaden Reed as my kind of my player that's going to make this thing go. Carly, who are you thinking as your player? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Luke Musgrave. I like how he picked it up this last game, and I want him. I want to see some more. I like it. I'm gonna write these down too. That way, y'all can make fun of me when I'm wrong. Go ahead, Tim. What about you, buddy? I'm, I'm gonna, gonna make Jacob the, go last. I'm gonna take the easy one, man. Uh oh, Jay Money, number ten, because he only throws. Oh, Tim, you can't do that. It's cheating. Jordan Love, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. Feel the love. Feel the love. All right, there you go. Carly took Musgrave, Tim cheated, and took the quarterback. <laughs> I like it, though. <laughs> I think you're right, though, man. If he comes out and he throws for 300, we won that ball game, I believe. Um, so, uh, Jacob, who's yours, man? I'm sticking with Watson. I still think that that hey, could Watson? be a right. maker there. Um, and that's not even to say, like, just because I, I'd love to actually, now that you brought that up, every single time Romeo Dobbs was freaking streaming wide open, when Musgrave was literally streaming down the field wide open, I'd love to pan out and look on the other side of the boundary and see, is Christian Watson running down that sideline? And does he have two or three defenders following him? And if that's the case, then if he gets one catch for nine yards in this game, but still takes 60% of the coverage on any given snap or play, he's still getting my game ball. Still gets my game ball. Yeah, I love it. Doug, been a member for four months now. Ticket service estimate on X, 3% Green Bay fans in the stands. All right. Ooh, I bet you that's – nah, I don't believe that. Uh, those are fake numbers, fake news. Fake news. Um, all right, let's do this. We're at an hour and ten minutes. I'm going to get divorced. i got to be careful tonight because I could talk about this game all night long. Uh, but, again, Doug, thank you for being a member, buddy. Appreciate you. There's a couple things we want to hit on in the chat. Ron Samble looked it up. Um, Brock Purdy's hand size, eight and a quarter inches, okay? To put that into perspective, Jordan Love, as Andy Apac pointed out, 10 and a half inches in hand size. Two whole inches, guys, listen. That hey, two is inches right. matters, guys. Two inches matters. That's what she said. <laughs> God, I can't take you. Why, why do I do this? Why, why do I do this? So... <laughs> <laughs> I know my face is red. I can feel it's hot right now. So anyway, it's going to be huge in the rain. It's going to be huge in the rain. All right. Like if, you know, think about the Baltimore game. I don't think weather was a factor there, but think of the turnovers, right? Him getting hit and the ball coming out. 
um, the ball getting swatted, him not getting uh, you know into his passing lanes the way he needed to. I think there's a chance. And someone pointed out a stat was it this morning, Tim, on Good Morning Lambo. Someone pointed out a stat that when they when they when when they have when teams don't have when, when their opponents have less than two turnovers, wasn't the record like crazy? San Francisco 49ers record was like three and five when their when their opponent doesn't have two turnovers or more or something like that. So if we win the turnover battle and it is raining, we're gonna see kind of what Brock Purdy can do with uh you know with gripping the football. It's it's a real thing for sure. So there's a reason that teams are so hesitant on drafting people. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, the hand size and all that, for sure. Peter in the chat said, we need to run running back screens and wide receiver pop pass extensions of our running game to open up play action passes deep. What do you guys think? You know, I typically like the pop passes. Um, I, I like those against man coverage, you know, me personally. Wide receiver screens, the screen game just hasn't been there this year. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is, Tim, I don't know if we – when was the last time we tried a halfback screen? Like seriously, I know we had the T screen baked into that dragon wheel play, right? Yeah, that that's what I was thinking of. Like the most recent, I almost feel like the swing pass is going to be maybe more util. You know, it, we're able to utilize that. Maybe it's tough against zone though, like you said. Um, right. You know, I think of a screen. I think you know you got man coverage. Maybe you got everybody blitzing, and you just keep dropping back and throw that throw that shallow one with some blockers out in front of you. But um, yeah. maybe the swing pass. You know, the quick hitters, um, you know, it's going to be interesting if they're going to go zone heavy, you know, things like motion, uh, you know, we'll probably see a little less orbit motion and those kind of things that, you know, work against man looks. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know about the screen game. We'll see. It's been that's a while. One of, that's one of the things we highlighted last night, too, was the Baltimore game. They ran a lot of smoke screens. They ran a lot of bubble screens. Right. That's totally different than 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 uh, than your T screens. And the reason yeah. being is like. When a team plays zone, their eyes are all on the quarterback. So as they're looking at the quarterback, they're seeing the offensive line set up the screen. They attack it a lot easier. In man coverage, their eyes are on their work. They're focused on the guy they're covering, and they don't see it. The only guy who really sees it is the guy who's on the running back. And that's the whole purpose of the screen is because now that, okay, that guy's man coverage on the running back, it's a screen pass I need to attack, and he's got three offensive linemen keeping him from getting to that running back. So it's a little more vulnerable against the man coverage is more vulnerable against the screen than zone personally i think but if you got the hat count they try to stack the box to stop the zone run if you get that going that's where you're gonna get into the bubble screens the rpo game that type of thing so um it's interesting though it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to to see how that plays out Uh, let's see andy apac says we've heard of players being in the zone i wonder if we can apply that to coaches or play callers because it really feels like matt lafleur is in the zone last month absolutely you can it's you can just see it all over his face too, man. It's just, I, you know, I draw another comparison to baseball. You know, I, I used to pitch, and when you pitch, some days you you just feel like, man, I have no control at all. There's other days that it's like everything around you, it's like someone hits a mute button, yep. and nothing else is even in in the ballpark, and you're just, it's just you and that catcher's mitt. Um, that's how it feels with Matt Lafleur right now. Neil in the chat said, "I hope I'm saying that right." Um, is it just me or does it seem like the opening coin toss is going to be really important? I think getting the lead early will matter a lot. Man, that's a good point. Um, I agree. We take it. We take the ball again. I don't. Uh, see us I wouldn't it. defer in this one. I don't see us taking it again. Do you? You don't. You don't, Jake. We I have to. I, I would think we'd have to. I, I would too, Carly. I want to get your take on that. Would you take? She's probably like, I just had to do something with the kid. <laughs> would you take the ball? 
like we did in Dallas, or would you defer to the second half and take it after after the half against the Niners? So I actually was wondering. Um, it felt it feels like we've won a lot of the coin tosses. I haven't been able to like actually watch it, but it seems like we've been making a lot of decisions. This one, I would definitely take it first. I would take it first. I would try and score right off the bat. I think you're what you risk when you even if you get shut down after a few and your defense goes out, like that's okay. But if you're if you end up um, being on defense first and then they score off of that, like the demoralizing nature of that, like I just want us to have a chance to get ahead early, get points on the board. I would take it for sure. Yeah, I think I would too. So Jacob says he wouldn't take it. He would defer to the second half. You say take it. I say take it. Tim, you said take it too. Is that right? I said take it too. I totally understand Jacob's logic though because playoff football is totally different, you know, and you – you can have a game plan and you can think of how, you know, how you're going to impose your will. Sometimes it's a good, it is a good idea to have that kind of in the back of your pocket, right? Well, we're getting the ball to start the uh, third quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get the logic for this sure. Is, this is my rationale of thinking. It's because this last game was different. Everybody said, there's no way that we can beat this offense. So we've said, all right, we're taking the ball. We're going down. We're going to score. This time they're saying our defense can't do crap, right? So I'm saying, Joe Barry, take that ball, let them have it, and then let's stuff them on the and then let's take our J-Love, run down the field, put it down their throat, and then we'll take it in the second half too and just make sure that we don't get no garbage time. Jason sold me. I'm deferring. I'm back to my original. I'm deferring. (laughs) Look at this. Prince Prince in the chat says, (laughs) I can't. Every time I see that profile. (laughs) On a sloppy field, I would defer. That's a great point. Yeah, what if yeah. you put the ball in their hands and they struggle early, right? Turn the ball over. Now you're getting after halftime. You got a chance to steal a possession, right? Good point. Carly, I got to point this out. Is that a climbing wall behind you? Yeah, it is. We I'm built so it for jealous. a kid. For How many kid. times have you climbed on that wall? I need to know. <laughs> um, At least a dozen. I, I'm betting it's somewhere around 65%. 65%. <laughs> that's what we- the time she's probably. <laughs> she's in. Perfect drop right there. I would be all over that thing too, man. I could just see me back there eating Cheetos, climbing on that thing. You know what I mean? Just but uh, Justin with the super chat, he's going to get me in trouble. They're going to keep me in here. Justin, thank you so much, buddy. He said, I'm more nervous about the coaches outsmarting each other, to be honest. Mm. You know, I kind of feel like LaFleur has had um, Shanahan's number, me personally. You know, I we should have beat the Niners in that playoff game. Should have, would have, could have. I got you. Uh, block punt, return for a touchdown. I mean, my goodness. And I know we only had scored 10 points up to that point, but snowy game, I thought LaFleur managed it really well, consider, all things considered. Um, then the last time we played the Niners, have we won the last two matchups? Am I thinking right against the Niners, the regular season matchups? Regular season? I know we won the last one. It's actually funny. I got some Packers trivia here for you. What eventual playoff team did the Packers beat 30-28 to 28 in week three for their first road win of the 2021 season? Who was it, Tim? Drum the roll. San Francisco 49ers. Hey, there you go. So we know we got that one in 21. I'm trying to think. Did Justin, I personally, I personally think that Matt LaFleur has Kyle Shanahan's number, me personally. What were you going to say, Jacob? He Uh-oh. stepped out did for a do? second. Oh, he, said, he said he stepped back. All right, cool. I think he said the feds were at the door. No, I'm just joking. So, <laughs> so, Justin, thank you so much for the super chat. All right, anybody got anything else? I'm going to get in trouble here. We're at an hour 20. This was fun, though, man. This was a good conversation. Super, super quick question. You mentioned mm-hmm. pop pass earlier. I don't know what a pop pass is, and I've never actually even heard the term before. Yeah, so I've always called it a shuttle pass, okay? A shuttle. Some people call it a shovel. So, basically, it's 
you put a receiver in motion and they're going to cross over in front of the quarterback and right about three feet before they get to the quarterback. And it's got to be timed up perfect. The ball snapped to the quarterback in the shotgun and he just throws it forward. It's like a reverse and it's technically counted as, as a, a forward pass. Yeah. So it's almost like a basketball pass. Like right. you would just pass a basketball. The ball and it's just a quick shovel pass, right? I've always called it a shovel pass. I've heard people call it pop passes. Touch um, pass. Yeah, touch pass is another one. I've heard it called that a lot. Touch pass was the one I was thinking of. I heard it called shovel touch and now pop. Pop's the first time I've heard it this year was mm-hmm. pop pass. I'm okay, we call it what do you call it? Bunk bed. I don't care. But uh, it works. It does work. <laughs> it does work, especially when you yeah. set it up and you run that a few times and you don't, you fake that pass. And then maybe you're looking through your progressions or maybe it's a toss or a handoff, you know, and then all of a sudden you, you set that up and then you do actually throw the touch pass. You can get that receiver around the corner with blockers and just yeah. up the sideline. I'm trying to think we have one uh, for Christian Watson last year. Was it against yeah. New England? Am I thinking right? That we did a, you could probably go find it, but it, it'll probably be listed on on uh, YouTube as Touch Pass, though I would imagine. So it's almost like an alternative to the old end around kind of mm-hmm. kind of deal, you know. Yeah, Doug says thanks, Carly Ray. Pop Pass was new on me too. Good stuff, man. We're all learning something. I like it. I like it. There you go. Ask questions, man. Ask questions. Uh, Jacob, you got anything else, buddy? You got no Pop Bus over there? What happened? Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to grab my dog before he ruined the stream. <clears throat> um, I'm just <laughs> I'm just really excited, man. It is weird. Are we going to do a Friday night episode? Because technically we got Saturday nights coming up here, Clayton. Yeah. Well, oh, I, yeah. I, I can't do a Friday night. Um, uh, Friday night is set aside. You know why. Um, I probably have to set an extra one aside because so, it was hour 23 wait, minutes. But, you got a date, um, Mike? Now we're, we're actually going to a little place called Abingdon, Virginia um, tomorrow. We're going to leave tomorrow morning and we're going to a place called the Tavern. And it was it's one of the oldest structures on the what they say, the western side of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So essentially, it's an old tavern that was I think it actually predates the country. And it's just the coolest place, man. It's low lit fireplaces. Um, brick floor, like the original brick floor. Uh, the owner of the place took me upstairs. He found out I was a history nerd. He was like, you want to see something cool? And I was like, hell yeah. So he took me upstairs in the attic. Coolest thing. As they were remodeling the attic, trying to you know strip some of the old away, they took the wallpaper off. The original little one-bys were up there on the wall. And there was charcoal numbers on the wall. And they found out it was a Civil War hospital. And those were the hospital bed numbers. They used charcoal to write on the wall. Really cool place. So, no, Jacob, there won't be a Friday night show. That's a long answer. But it's really I'm going to be up there eating some, eating some good steak and having some daddy sodas, and I'm going to stagger about 100 feet down the street to a bed and breakfast and probably pass out in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Tomorrow we're going to do Good Morning Lambo. I won't be doing a show tomorrow night. I will say this, though. I will open it up. Tim. Jacob, if y'all want to do one, I can set it up to where y'all can do a show. And also Saturday morning, y'all could do a show if you wanted. But we would definitely be doing look at look at everybody. See, they're already putting the pressure on you. Bang, there you go. You three do the show. <laughs> um, but we will be doing a pregame show. I'm gonna rush back. We should we should leave having in about five o'clock. I'll get here six my time, have enough time to set up, do a pregame <laughs> show, 
and then we'll do the post game show as well. So, well, yeah. I, I can tell you, Tim, I can do a Saturday morning show for sure. I can't do tomorrow. I got to close the restaurant tomorrow. But um, mm-hmm. if we can build, maybe uh, if you and Emilio and Carly could do tomorrow. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. Look at Jacob scheduling you scheduling you on the show. <laughs> where, where is yeah. Emilio? Where uh, I got the same. Him? I got the same plans as Clayton. So. Uh, that, right. Although I'm not going to Virginia, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be out of the mix for. Uh, how, about, how about Saturday morning, me and you? Tim? Yeah, no, for, I'm out Carly. Saturday. Yeah, Carly, you know, know we're game in a post game. We'll still be there. We'll 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 Saturday. be still on. Stay Saturday. tuned. I, I'm gonna. I'll take a tablet. And maybe I can set it up at the bed and breakfast. Now, if they've got crappy internet, it's Virginia. You know what I'm saying? They barely got running water. If they've got crappy internet, then it might not work. We'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll try, we'll try. Clayton, do not do that to your wife. Just stop. <laughs> Don't even do it. I'm going to be the voice of reason here. You spend time with her. Everybody's saying that I'm going to start. Mandy's downstairs. She's, she's about to put a super chat in here of my own money and say, thank you, Carly. I guarantee it. <laughs> Clayton's over here like. I'm a man. <laughs> Until Mandy tells me what to do, and I go, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Coach says, uh, I think Coach Monk's located in Kingsport. He said, okay, Clayton, I'm coming to find you at the tavern this week. And roll on in, man. Tell Josh, General Manager, say I'm looking for a big-headed dude named Clayton. I will be the drunk in the corner eating steak. All right, just come on in. Come on in. It's kind of a fancy place, though. Make sure you put a collar on. All right. Just- <laughs> I hate that, too. I try to go in there with a hoodie, and Mandy goes, uh-uh. No, no, sir. So, all right. We're out of here. Appreciate everybody. We wasted a lot of time. What did that say just now? Pull that back up. What would you have right there? <laughs> All right. I'm oh, sorry. There you go. Jacob. Hey. Don, see, Donald Krieger, I think it is, says, Jacob running the show is terrifying, and I'm here for it. There you go. I'll come back, and everything will be demonetized. We'll be banned. No, it'll just be one conspiracy theory episode. <laughs> 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 we'll have him on the ban list with Alex Jones. That's what will happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right we're out here we're doing up the killing time thank y'all so much this was fun appreciate y'all hanging out with me tonight this was uh wanted to go a little long didn't plan on going that long but uh that's what she said lisa thank you for the super chat two of them thank you so much good luck to your niners i hope they lose i hope they lose bad but hey still good luck and i appreciate you hopping in here thank you for uh supporting the stream and it was good talking ball with you um, a lot of history there i think they said they've met 10 times in the playoffs most of any other two franchises if i heard that correctly on total access tonight but uh doug thank you been a member for four months justin nelson thank you for the super chat carly jacob tim thank you all so much this was a lot of fun we will see you tomorrow morning for good morning lambo as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back go the power sweep actually it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense Yes, a Y-end or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the Y-end has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the Y-end has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here. Try to run this play in the alley.